Hit the lights. You've discovered the Half Watt Podcast. We want to educate and entertain by tapping into the most trusted source of new technology, the ones installing and innovating it. You, the tradespeople that build from the ground up. Join us as we talk with industry leaders, veteran contractors, and even some young blood. Welcome aboard. Today I have the pleasure of talking to Paul Waterman. Hi. Hi. So Paul is a network administrator for the city of Canby. Correct. Correct. And uh, also uh, is uh, owns a owns a bookstore, which we'll talk about that. So let's talk about your history. So how did you get into network administration? And start um, from the start from the bloody beginning. <laughs> the bloody beginning. Um, well, I guess from the the tech side, nerdy side, and was my Commodore sixty four in nineteen eighty. You know. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's where my mm-hmm. my uh, passion with computers started. You didn't fall into the Apple 2C or 2 No, I did. I took a couple, you know, when I was younger, like little, you know, the, they'd have some of the classes at like the local college and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And my mom signed me up for some of those and did some of the, the Apple 2E moving the little turtle around, you know, on the screen, programming the coordinates and stuff. But, uh, but no, the, the Commodore always seemed to be whether it was or not, but to me, it seemed to be a lot more uh, technically advanced than yeah. than even the Apple's because it was it was well, uh, it was like, Commodore, the TRS eighty, yep. the Atari, and Apple. Those were the mm-hmm. four that I remember. Yeah, those are pretty much the, the the primary guys there. Yeah, I that was not my first computer. My first computer was a leading edge Model D. Okay, with, <laughs> with, it wasn't just with the switches, right? And the buttons. it had it had. Uh, Two clock speeds, okay. <laughs> like four and eight megahertz, <laughs> and and I talked to, to you know students today as I teach, and I and I like yeah you know we had these five inch floppies and mm-hmm. you could notch them out if you didn't have double sided. Double sided, yep. <laughs> People yep. like what? <laughs> yeah, and my first hard drive, I'm uh, my first real hard drive was big enough to hold a door open. Yeah, I mean it was a uh, you could kill a brother with that thing. It was big. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I remember the Commodore one. It was. Yeah, it was a f- quite a few bricks. <laughs> yeah, and, and it only had like, you know, well, mine, the, the first one I saw was I think 20 megabytes. Yeah. That was it. I was like, well, I guess mine wasn't even the hard drive. It was just literally just the floppy drive that was that big. It was, was it really? Yeah, oh, it was, the, it was oh, like, like the eight inch one? It was the five and a quarter, five? but the the drive itself, the external drive, was, it was bigger than a shoebox. I mean, it, no was, kidding. it was pretty big. Oh, yeah. I remember that. I'm just, I'm just. Yeah. 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 It was big. It was long. <laughs> long, right? <Yeah>. Yep. <laughs> Gosh. My friend, one of my other friends had a Commodore, uh, though. He had a, he, he had the cassette. Oh, drive big timer yeah so so yeah he was you know i remember like i always wanted to wonder like how do you like because we were we played games right like how do you know where to go I the, don't know. to find that and i'm like yeah, oh, did it, it randomly out. access what it needed i don't have... I, I never figured it out either i didn't use it so i was like well you know what you're doing as long as we can play the game we're good <laughs> <laughs> i saw one person i had it was a ham down in uh when i lived in louisiana and he had it on his ham set up. Okay. And I said, what's that for? He goes, is that for recording something? He goes, no, it's actually for part of the computer. I'm like, <laughs> what What part? Because I didn't understand. Yeah. I, I didn't know what I was looking at. You know, it was, that was, I graduated high school in 82. So, okay. you know, what's a computer? <laughs> My dad had a calculator. When he bought a calculator years before, 
and you did some sort of complex math on mm-hmm. it, you could see it sort of think. Right. It's like, crunk, come up with an answer. <laughs> Hopefully it was right. Yeah. I mean, so I, I was graduated in 92. So, I mean, think about it. It's only a 10-year difference. Yeah. But even in that 10-year difference, you know, back then, a lot changed. In 10 it was years. crazy. <laughs> I, when I got, I saw I went in the Navy, and when uh, I got to my first real you know, school, mm-hmm. real serious school. One of the trainers they had to sit on was called, it was a NEATS trainer. I think that's what it was. And the idea was that they would make it good for the discipline I was in, naval flight officers, they could do their thing. So everybody could use this. It, none of these really existed in the world, but mm-hmm. if you sat down and you were an NFO, then they would make it look like, you know, essentially what you would have on an A6 or A6B. Mm-hmm. And then if you were doing it, I would, it would kind of simulate what we were doing. But it, it ran off this hard drive, and they were really particular about it. Yeah. And if it crashed, <laughs> it was like, you know, and it was like, oh, the width of a hair could get in there. And sure enough, it crashed one day, and the, the guy showed us what it looked like when it did. Oh, no. And it, it was a orange flat disc, right. probably 18, 20 inches, you know, with a big hole in the middle. And sure enough, man, it was just gone. Oh, and man. I said, what, what, you know, and I just looked at him like I was completely from outer space. I had no <laughs> idea what the hell any of this stuff was. Everything I was working on was analog and tube. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, and then three years later, we were neck deep in them. Yeah. Just like that. Yeah, it came on quick. Yeah. Revolutionized everything we did. I, I would, it made, it, it still is. It's still I can't imagine operating. I was still a ham radio guy. I can't. Op, I can't operate without a computer. Yeah. Like it just. Even my radio is a computer at this point. Yeah. Well, we can't even make a phone call without a computer. Isn't that whack? <laughs> <laughs> no. like, I was teaching my granddaughter some math, and she's trying to do it by hand. And I just said, just get a calculator. I re, you know, they told us as kids, well, we're not all going to have calculators. Well, that's bad squeeze. Yeah, we got it now. <laughs> Everybody's got a calculator. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, you got into your Commodore 64. What happened then? Um, so I went through up through high school, and mm-hmm. then you know, in uh, in high school, I was getting into computer aided drafting. Okay. So uh, at the at Oregon City High School, they had a program timer. with with, with Clackamas Community College. They had like a yeah. little program where you get some credits while taking these classes at the high school. Mm-hmm. You transferred into into the college. So, so yeah, I remember. I mean, I think we we're. St- I mean, I was still DOS at the time, but I was running AutoCAD. You know, and that was just amazing. Rev, I mean, Rev two, yeah. <laughs> um, and at, at that time, it was interesting. I don't know if it's still this way, but uh, like, it, it, you know, Clackamas Community College in Oregon City, it's kind of small, and you know, most people don't know much about it. Yeah. But the instructors there actually wrote most of the actual textbooks in in. Uh, documents for AutoCAD. I didn't know that. And at that time. So huh. I mean they were like they were literally writing the books that other places were, were teaching for AutoCAD. I did not know that. They were like a huge hub of you know central of training for AutoCAD. Huh. And uh <clears throat> so that was kinda nice to be able to have that, you know, that influence with the school and be able to go right into that. Uh with uh into Clax Queenie College. So and then at that point I uh I did, I had a little it was like a you get into your out of high school and college and then it's like, what am I going to do with my life? And is this what I really want to do? Or is this what everybody else wants me to do? You know? So 
I dropped out and joined the Air Force. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well played. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, my mom wasn't too thrilled because uh, it was about November, and I just I went down, signed up, and they were really hurting for uh, a security policeman at the time. So, mm-hmm. you know, oh, nothing to do with computers. Like, yeah, I went in as an MP. It's a whole different Yeah, it's whole, different, whole different 180 degrees, you know. I was like... <laughs> Like so you know you're guarding a nuke. Yep, okay. exactly. And so uh, so I, I went home and I said, yeah, you know, I, I quit school. I joined the Air Force and I leave next week. <laughs> where'd you go? Where'd you go in the Air Force? So uh, it might. So my you know, did my training in San Antonio mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. But my first it, it did start out very exciting. My very first station was Fairchild in Spokane, Washington. Oh, wow. So like five hours from home. Yeah, that's. Um... <laughs> and so uh, so you um and I, for a little while, I didn't really have didn't much to do with computers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, didn't Nintendos and Segas and stuff like that, but it just didn't, it was kind of like, you know, it was my whole life up until that point, even as a little kid. And so sure. at that point, I was like, almost rebelled, I guess, against computers a little bit. And then once I got in there, then I started to get into it a little bit more about mm-hmm. my, you know, my first actual like PC, you know, it was like a 286, 30 megahertz computer yeah. or something like that. Um, and, so I got that and started to play with a little bit, but nothing real serious, just more for fun and mm-hmm. dialing up the old, you know, BBSs, bulletin, bulletin board boards. systems and stuff like that. Uh, and uh, Alt dot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Interesting. I actually got in trouble with one of those at one point. That's uh, not, that was not hard to do. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then, yeah, so I was in Spokane, Washington and then, uh, and then I extended for two more years because I didn't want to spend my entire mm-hmm you know, four years in the military, five hours from home. So uh, I wanted to do something exotic. I wanted to go to like Europe or Japan or something like that and go overseas. So, well, apparently Alaska is considered overseas. So I got... I also yeah, you didn't go Fairbanks, Alaska. (laughs) So so, yeah, welcome to cold. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But it, but then I was, I went to Alaska, and then I was only there for four months, and then I finally I got a TDY to Saudi Arabia. Oh, good. Okay, so you did get to see something. And then I got four, then I got four months over in Italy. So. Oh, cool. I actually got to go and, and do something for the, so. the, the Italian stuff would be really fun. Oh, I, would, I would love to. It go was to fun. Europe. Yeah, it was pretty fun. I. uh I joined in, I, I, I'm from San Diego, joined in San Diego, and they said, well, you don't go to boot camp here, we're gonna send you to Pensacola, or to Orlando, okay. which is where they had a, they had three boot camps, okay. San Diego, Orlando, and, and Great Mistakes. So I went to Orlando, and then went to school there, and then went to Pensacola, and they said, okay, well, you've, you know, both your ships are on the West Coast, you're going back to San Diego. <laughs> so I went back, and I, Got on a ship and then went on Westpac when it saw all kind of stuff. Right. And came back and then re-enlisted. Well, I extended, changed my my NEC yeah. and did a whole different kind of equipment. And I had gone from analog tube, uh, I mean, really old equipment, really old equipment. Like that was, I think the stuff I was working on was built in 59. Okay. Say. And, um. It was I, I we did I didn't like it until I realized just how good it was. It worked, right? It, yeah. <laughs> it never broke. Right. And it had and, and all of the technological challenges had been worked out. All the bugs had been worked out. By the time I ever sat in front of it and I, I thought, Well this this can't be real. Like it's gotta be more to it than this. And then I got to the new equipment and then I longed for the old equipment. I mean <laughs> right. it was did just you appreciate it. Oh god. But the new equipment was all computerized. Right. Everything was. You could do more, but 
there's more to break. <laughs> there's more to break, and it's faster. Yeah. And that where you know you were looking in at one frequency, or that's it's it. That's as much as you could do. You could scan and and do a band, mm -hmm. but you know this other equipment was looking 360, all these frequencies all the time. Right. And this other stuff was you had to be dialed in on it to see it, and that the difference was astounding, you know. Yeah. So so you did so in the Air Force you really never touched a computer you just no nope. the only the only thing I ever touched a computer for was sometimes when in the if I was you know working the desk itself okay. you know uh, we still had very beginnings of uh, like even this is like even in the mid eighties or mid nineties like the military was still a little behind on yeah. you know so we still had older computers we had terminals you know we would you mm -hmm. know sometimes doing you know in police work we still had access to a lot of the state information and so forth. So if somebody was on base or, or outside on the highway or something outside of base, if you stop, you still would, we would run, you know, uh, plates and run oh, you know, sure. yeah. background history and stuff like that. And so, so we, you and LEDs basically. Yeah. Right? Yep, yeah. And LEDs. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very, very old version <laughs> of LEDs. Uh, so, you know, that was kind of the extent of, I mean, I remember some of the, the guys were still using like WordStar or something like that, mm -hmm. writing some of their reports and, you know, printing them out on the dot matrix computers and oh, stuff. WordStar, like that. that takes <laughs> WordStar and WordPerfect. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. So that, um, so then I, uh, I got out and then, uh, I worked with my, uh, ex-father-in-law for a while and he had a steel fabrication shop. So I was, you know, mm -hmm. grinding and welding and. And then I got hurt. I, oh no! I severed the tendons in my hand. Yikes! And I was like, "This is not, this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life." So I was like, "You know, I still like computers. I enjoy computers. Yeah. Maybe this is something I can make a living at now." So so I went back to school, and mm -hmm. I went. There used to be Pioneer Pacific College uh, here in the local area, and they had a, an a IT networking uh, program or something mm -hmm. like that at that time. So. You know, I didn't. I didn't do it while I was in the military when they paid for it, and you could get time off to do it all for <laughs> right. free, basically. So I waited until I had a family and had to go to night school to do it. Dumb mistake. So if you're out there and you yes. have an opportunity to get free schooling or training, take advantage of it. <laughs> I, I did the same. I made the same so. error in judgment. I really yeah. did. Because even while you're underway, you could have taken college. I could have mm -hmm. taken college courses. Yeah. But no, I was way too, way too smart for that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so then I went back to school and then I, you know, started from the ground up, you know, the, the tech support, the, you know, call centers and, you know, mm -hmm. Beaverton, you know, and, um, I was pretty, so you were supporting a, a specific brand of computer or different software. Uh, or, so I got, know? I was, I felt like I, I got pretty lucky. And when I went in and then they, they kind of, you did tested you and they, they kind of team figured out what team, because it was like one group, but they had like. They had at that time it was three com, you know, three com mm -hmm. switches and routers oh, and stuff yeah. like that. And this was in about 19, 1999, mm -hmm. right before uh, you know the Y two K doomsday. Um, but yeah, uh, I remember that. that <laughs> so, um, so they had that, and uh, you know they had Dell, and they had. But you go in and they kind of like, I mean, where where would you fit that we can kind of sell you to whoever our customers sure. are to provide that support basically but you got paid by the, the company not like dell or whoever mm -hmm. um so i got on the, i actually made it on the the 3com team which was nice and it was kind of like the that was like the team there that were people wanted to go because they actually trained you on networking and you know because you yeah. had to obviously you had to support the you know the networking hardware and mm -hmm. software so 
uh, I felt like I was pretty lucky to get in the ground level starting on something like that. Yeah, no was, kidding. Uh, a little more complicated than just, you know, OS support or mm -hmm. I think at one time one of the people there was actually uh, what was the old uh, like the first video streaming program that I was like real real something yeah um, you're dating me uh, but it, yeah it was like one of the real player I think it was just real, real player yeah I think it was I think you're right it yeah was real player. like real player yeah, support yeah. was there too yeah. you know yeah exactly and uh yeah so yeah so we, we did you know we, and we actually started doing pretty complicated you know routing and switching mm -hmm. and at that time they we still had dial-up so they had um basically modem banks in a router so you'd have like multiple you know uh you know modems the was the 56k modems oh yeah and, that uh, was that was a big thing yeah so and you remember have, like, you could get like x2 you could do two at once yeah. and all that so they would have like four modems in one box right yeah. and you'd hook it up and then you'd have to be able to say okay people that dial into this modem they could only route to this particular network and so forth so we, we had some you know some of these stuff and then all of a sudden dsl was the big thing too yep. coming in but and that was kind of like an on-demand circuit but you still paid like per connection or per minute mm -hmm. or something like that so there was a lot of fun conversations with customers that were like why did i get this you know 500 phone bill and i was like well your dsl router is set to automatically connect whenever you make a request out to the internet you know and so oh, i didn't realize so it, it would, so that's it would what be it would, dormant right right and, until a request came you know somebody got on the opened up mm -hmm. netscape and said i want to go here and then it would go out oh, start netscape it would oh, start man, up the, the router and the dsl and connect to the the yeah. internet but then they would get charged for every time that connection went out oh, and, no and so they would have to turn off like the auto connect well if they didn't turn that off then well, phone call, phone company didn't care. They're like, woohoo, more money for us. So, wow. yeah, I mean, it was <laughs> back in the I re no, no I, unlimited. <laughs> I remember, uh, I remember, Europa was the first mm -hmm. was the first internet I ever purchased. Like the yeah. first connection, right? And this kid was showing me because I had been out of computers and I was working for Simplex, and they handed me a laptop with with Windows three point one one on it. And I went, oh, oh God, what's this? Where's DOS? You know, <laughs> oh, it's it's really right. You're just drive. It's like PowerShell. You're just driving DOS right. from behind these cool windows. Don't let it freak you out. So if Jerry Turner, if you're out there, thank you. So Jerry shows me how the wizard's being driven, and this is just a GUI, and don't mm -hmm. let it freak you out. And uh, gave me some pointers on how to do it, and literally taught me what I needed to know to be proficient. And um, I thought, well, this this is great. This can't, you know, they can't possibly improve this. And, and <laughs> You'll never but, need more than 64K RAM. Yeah, they'll never, <laughs> you'll never need that. And, uh, and then I just watched everything get smaller and faster and, you know, more powerful. And, and you know, I was at, I think when I got my first Pentium chip, I was just like this, you know, like a Pentium two or yeah. a Pentium three, and I thought you had to wow. find the math coprocessor. No, yeah, it was. You know, and 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 like the more I I understood it, the the and and I and I and it really, I mean, he really helped usher me back in. Mm -hmm. And um, sound files were the things that I was blown away with. I was blown away at sound files that you could, you know, just just regular waves mm -hmm. that, that you could do. And I was sitting in a in a meeting at Simplex, and we had these uh, pagers, these gold. Uh, their Motorola, you know, top the line mm -hmm. gold. I forget what their name was, gold something or other. And and the the 
managers were, would get really upset if your pager went off in a meeting. I mean, they just would go crazy if they went off. So I recorded every single sound these pagers could make on wave files. Oh, no. And I would just have my laptop open and I would just hit the wave and turn it on. And, and you could just watch the whole place would stop and they're all looking. Everybody's checking their pagers out, you know, and I'm looking at mine saying, what the hell's going on? They get all mad and everybody calm down again and I just hit it again and just hit it again and Jerry Jerry was just just shake his head he knew exactly what I was doing and it was on like it was on like yeah. every everything you said I would record and twist and make and then I you got into all the different audio programs and uh, the uh, gosh I, I, I you know, now you can do everything with audacity but at the time you, know, you had to actually you know, hack a program right. to, to get a good one. Oh and, yeah, I'm, sound cards and all that. Remember, you had yeah. to, you had to get the pin jumpers to get the right com port and yep. the right IRQ all and all stuff. that stuff like that. And, and, oh. and no one knew what an IRQ was. Yeah. And and you you'd open up your computer and you get the new motherboard and none of your crap was compatible because it was all IDE and mm. this new stuff is yeah. great or whatever. <laughs> oh my scuzzy and God, I just I just felt like every time I turned around and blinked, the technology had just jumped leaps and bounds and I was still trying to master this and that was crazy times. Yeah, but yeah. So we're thinking I think it's probably around two thousand, early ninety eight, ninety nine. Um, I just gotten out of the military and um I had just started I think I just started school mm -hmm. and uh my my first personal network was uh we actually i lived next door to my parents and uh, we had microsoft flight simulator and i read the old bnc connector and coax mm -hmm. between oh, our houses no, oh, like thin you know, yeah. yeah i ran it down you know we ran it yeah. the floor out through the thing through the you know the foundation over to my dad's house and put it in there and up into his room and we had the two computers <laughs> connected with the the you know, coax huh? cable and the, the BNC and no know. one even remembers that anymore. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> OHSU had that all over the place when I first got there. That was my first LAN party. No kidding. <laughs> between my dad, between and two had, computers. And pretty fast bandwidth too for, for yeah. the time. It was just, uh, yeah, between the two computers and I don't know. It, I mean, it was probably, a, I think at that time it was still probably a 10 meg, 10 meg, yeah. you know, network. Which is. And instead of an IP address, you know, we. That's all you needed. Learning what, you know, the two IP addresses on the same network, you know, and so forth. And yeah, and so we, we'd battle each other with um, Microsoft Simulator trying to shoot each other down. That's <laughs> so, funny. Gosh. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the BNC, that was. And so I know, I mean, Ethernet was still just, you know, kind of coming out mm -hmm. too. And, it was still kind of as in an infancy. Yeah. But with the speeds blew me away. I was like, what? You're going to get what? Because Cat 3 was out. Yeah. And, you know, as telephone stuff. But then when, when, you know, Cat 5 came out, everybody had it. And then, and then you start looking at the speeds going. Yeah. So we had 10, then you had 100. So you had 100 megabit. And that was like the, you were, we'll never go faster than that. Yep. And just like operating systems, I went from 3.11 to 95. Okay. And then at somewhere along the line, I either bought 98, I never bought ME, bought 98 on that. And then, and then they, at work, they put us on 2000. Okay. And so I, once I got into 2000, I learned it. I'm like, this is it. I'm never changing. Yeah. And I didn't change. And matter of fact, it was yeah, the 2000 last, and XP were like, was those excellent. are rocks. Oh my God. Yeah. 
So when they, yeah, when XP came out, they said, we got to update your computer to XP. I said, no, I, I, and I've refused. Finally, the IT person came up and said, we have three computers on this hill. There's, at that time, there were 12,000 employees up there. And they're like, we have three computers on this hill that are still using 2,000, and you're one of them. It's got to change today. <laughs> so they put XP on my machine. Loved it. Yeah. Loved it. I was like, oh, what did I wait? Right? One of those things. Yeah. Still love it. Still think it was an excellent. I, did, I, I can't imagine why we'd ever change from <laughs> it other than the security reasons. But yeah. Yep. Now I, oh, God, now I just. I cringe every time I turn the thing. I have no idea what the hell's going to happen when I turn them on now. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Ether, the, so we had the, the coax that was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I'm trying to think of when, when was my first uh, working with Ethernet? I don't think we actually. I don't think we actually ran it at home. I think I ran the coax for quite a while because it did, you know, whatever we yeah, needed to do. And then probably early two thousands. I remember we got the, uh, we got my our first my first cable modem. Mm-hmm. You know, up until then it was the fifty six k still. Yep. You know, still dial, dial up. up. Um, and then I got cable modem, and it was like I think it was like one megabit. You know, one megabit or two megabit. Mm-hmm. You know, cable internet connection. It was just like. Wow, yeah. <laughs> like the download speeds on this is just insane. But you remember when the web was first coming out, how hardly anybody was on there. Right. Like you would go there and you would like, what are you doing? And you needed like AltaVista or, you know, one of the these. Dial- yep. Yeah, something to help you figure out like what was going on. And I just went, man, at some point, yep. everybody's going to be on the web. The, the big A, AOL. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, I started with, I think, I don't think I started with AOL. We had, you know, for my first actual internet connection was in Alaska, and we had mm-hmm. like a local place that we'd dial up the, you know, you have a, they'd have a bank of modems, and sometimes you get a busy signal, like, oh, I gotta wait till somebody you gets off. You gotta wait till somebody hangs <laughs> up. You can get back in. Um, but then I think I remember eventually going to, uh, I think it was shortly after that, after I got, you know, in the early 2000, mm-hmm. we did, I did the AOL thing. But, uh, but I did do earlier, like when I was actually in the 80s, I think it was high school, a little bit before high school, um, with my Commodore sixty four, I mm-hmm. had the like the three hundred baud program uh, modem or something like yeah. that, and I did uh, you know I think it was a Prodigy or CompuServe, yeah, CompuServe, yeah, yeah. exactly. So now yeah. those were the dial up, you know, pay per minute, you know, mm-hmm. type of thing, and yeah, so we I remember doing those, and uh, but yeah, it was. Uh, I think my first in, introduction to Ethernet was was in school. Was when I was going to uh, the college out here, and at that time it was in, up by. Uh, here, kids, here's Clackamas. the future of computing. Yeah, boy, they weren't wrong either. Yeah, and at that time they were teaching us. We were we were learning Windows, but they were also we were also teaching us Novell. <laughs> so, oh my you remember God. Novell? Yeah. <laughs> so you know, it's just like it was a completely separate, you know, its own operating system. Yeah. You know, just like you know, Windows NT yeah. at that time because we had Windows NT before 2000. And uh, yeah, so we were. I never use it ever in real life, but yeah, I, I, mean, I, I took I some think, classes on it. <laughs> I think we had a, one of their email programs we had. I think it was Novell, but we anyway. Uh, yeah, you're right. There was like it was like when DOS came out, there was CPM. Yeah. No one remembered CPM, but but it was there. It was its competition, and it just quickly yeah. fell apart because. You know, and no one had even heard of, of Linux at that point, but Unix was absolutely being yeah. used on all the Vax servers and stuff like that. Everything, anytime you connected anything, it was a it was on a Linux machine or a Unix machine. 
Yeah, and then your your productivity suite was like, was it Lotus One Two Three yep. or yeah. the spreadsheet or something like yeah, that? Spread. Yeah, and they they're like Deez nobody. Did. Yeah, I think it actually still exists. Like I think it does somewhere too. around like who? I was like who uses that? I don't know. <laughs> I, I didn't even you know you. You, there's this whole world that's been created in computers now, especially like with Meta and and, and mm-hmm. things that are happening now. You're, you, it's it's, it it really it, to me it kind of breaks down borders and barriers because my grandkid will sit on her iPad and talk to people all over, you know, some that she goes to school with, mm-hmm. but a lot of kids from just all over on these different game programs. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't care where they're at or who they are as long as they're not nefarious, right. you know, but. It's it's become a tool, especially during COVID, that that without she was she was hurting. Yeah, I mean, she was able to yep. yeah to stay in touch with people and touch, and you just didn't think about how critical all that would be until you know it until it was right. And and now I, I like I said I can't I can't imagine life without computers. I, I don't even think it's I don't even think it's possible. <laughs> yeah, and up until honestly until working for the city mm-hmm. I didn't really have other than running a network cable I hadn't really thought much about any of the the low voltage stuff I mean we at one point when I was working at uh, one of my my first big jobs where I kind of moved up into like my my career really advanced it was at a, a company it's called Sunstone Circuit it's actually right out here in Malino they, oh, no they built they built circuit boards out in Malino yeah the yeah, that I know right before you get to yeah. the hill. Yeah. Um, so when I when I first got there, uh, it was a little homegrown as far as the network goes. In mm-hmm. uh, you know, it it's just they knew what they knew and they did it locally. Like you'd have you know some network cables that were like strung across you know <laughs> outside, just Cat Five cable strung out across and stapled to a building and stapled around the wall and down into the server room. And it was like, yeah, that's this probably isn't the best thing, you know, when you, you say, why isn't this something, something not working? I'm like, it could be a number of things. You know? <laughs> Birds so, out there tearing yeah. it apart. <laughs> so, uh, so one of my, one of my first projects out there was actually, you know, working with a contractor and basically kind of gutting everything and reinstalling, you know, properly you're running mm-hmm. the conduit underground. And we actually put in some fiber cables in between the you know, oh. facilities and so forth. And uh, so that, you know, that was a, that was kind of like my first introduction to like a big, project as far mm-hmm. as you know you know low voltage and um and it was it was pretty interesting to see you know have to talk about it running the wires some things i never really thought about before you know they'd they'd have the different joint you know hangers and stuff mm-hmm. like that to be able to strand but how uh, far you can go between and right how high up they have to be yeah yeah and, and then, the type of wire because if it's outside it's got to be uv rated and all exactly that kind of yeah and some of the you know the interference you don't want to run it over the top of your yeah. you know your ballast and your all the lights out there you have to you know want to go around them and, well and because it kind of laid on the it's kind of lean stores the telecom mm-hmm. community they they're the telecom people were light years ahead of everybody else on grounding and bonding and isolation of buildings from lightning strikes and stuff like that. So, you know, they were way ahead of the game on how you would isolate buildings and stuff like that. We were, we in the fire alarm world, we're years behind them. I mean, okay. and, and I learned that kind of the hard way, you know, in interfacing with telecom people, they can be like, you and Eric child, get your crap <laughs> together, honestly. Yeah, well, and a lot of the networking at that time too, it was, it was kind of homegrown. We're like, oh, we're gonna mm-hmm. connect these computers together. And it's like, well, you didn't really, you know, especially if it was a, a medium-sized, smaller company, like, 
you didn't call somebody out and like do a big install. You're going to install this network. No, it was it, it was it kind of you know you only needed like a couple computers. We'll start out here, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know that kind of organically grow, right? Yeah. And then you kind of keep adding on and adding on, and then eventually you get to the point where you're like. Yeah, this isn't sustainable anymore. <laughs> and you got like five switches strung out across, you know, yeah. eight, you know, fifty thousand square feet, and you're like, "Where's this at? It's in this closet somewhere up in the in the mm-hmm. rafters." And you know, so uh, so then that's when you kind of. But a lot of you know, especially in the beginning of you know, a lot of that networking, especially Ethernet, it was just kind of homegrown and it organically happened just as things needed. It's like, oh, well, we, what? I don't have to carry my disk over here anymore. And right. Plug it in. You just plug right. it in. It goes like you yeah. can just you can just go to that computer and command stuff. And right. But you know, when because, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners did this too. They kind of kind of grew up in this era. But some of these younger people, they. They don't. They don't know any of that. Right. Well, it's wireless. It, it's, yeah, yeah. Or, or they, they, they can't believe that when we were younger, we had TV but didn't have computers. Right. Just like my parents didn't have, you know, they had TV but it wasn't in color and right. you know, and then their parents didn't even have TV. They had radios and horse-drawn carriages and all that <laughs> jazz. You know, you're, the 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 change in technology is so rapid. Right. And when you look back at it, even when I teach my students, I say, you know, I'm holding in my hand an iPhone. This is more computing technology than we put a man on the moon with, by far. Yeah. And and there's and it's right here in the palm of your hands. And when I one of the things I teach them is that even though the technology is new, there's old technology put in it that had to be carried grandfathered in, like teletype. Mm-hmm. So there's so every phone, every iPhone anyway, still has the ability to do 45 baud teletype because of the hearing impaired. Right. So you walk up to those hearing impaired phones and be able to talk to the operators there. That's still built into the phone. It's like whoa, what else is hiding in these little yeah. modern conveniences that we don't think about? You know? Yeah. Even from the programming world, I mean Microsoft. Is that way? I mean, are they? they're, they're trying to. They've been trying to kill off like VB for mm-hmm. years, but you know, in the programming world. But uh, there's so many like banks and and large infrastructures out there that have so much of their infrastructure built yeah. in that. On they're like, basic, yeah. yeah, they'll come out like, okay, Windows, you know, X eight isn't going to support you know VB anymore, and everybody's like. You can't do that. They're like, okay, you know, Windows 10 isn't going to support. Like, no, you can't do it. So they they constantly this backward compatibility on yep. you know certain things that you that you just it's just not reliable enough to you just can't live without can't, exactly. Well, yeah. and and I happen to work in a field where the where the technology is really old. Like it's not in the fire alarm world. It the technology does not grow in leaps and bounds. Like in the security world, it does. Right. If you're hanging security stuff, they're getting cutting edge technology all the time, and they have to. Mm-hmm. In the fire alarm world, in order to get cutting edge technology, it's got to go through acceptance by certification. Yeah, all these different UL and factory mutual and all this stuff. So by the time we see something that's really modern to us, most of the other people are going, what, you've got peer-to-peer wireless? Hello. You know, (laughs) we're way past that. Yeah. You know, so it's just, to me, it's like I'm still dabbling in 80s technology. Matter of fact, I had a double E-prom flash a flash prom flash fail prom. on me yesterday. I was wow. in the middle of a download. I'm talking to a, a essentially a panel, and it just quit. I was 50 or 55 lines into a 3,000 line program, and it just went. No, nah, I, I don't. Nah, we're done. That's it. Bam, done. Yeah. Uh, okay, 
so that's it. That's the entire operating system, basically. That's mm -hmm. all of the, the, it's not the OS, but it's the information for the OS mm -hmm. all put on this chip. All hands on deck. Now we, how will we get this thing? How are we going to burn another chip? <laughs> right. Right? Who the hell's burning chips? Right. What's a chip? You know, you the program that, right to the chip? What? Yeah. <laughs> the new panels you walk up to, you plug in an Ethernet cable in, and you're dropping two or 2.4, you know, megabits of data like that right the old stuff you're moving go along here comes another bit <laughs> it's just crazy the speed yeah and even, even the to be able to interface with those things i mean you can't get a laptop i mean no. not even a laptop here like you need a you need a you know rs232 what yeah you, you need a parallel port you know what <laughs> if you can't use exist. oh you can't use prolific chips you have to use non-prolific right. chips you're like what the hell's a prolific chip you're like oh <laughs> So is this uh, USB to serial port cable really going to work? And <laughs> some do, some don't, you know? <laughs> I, the, the machine I'm working on is, is literally Windows Vista 7. Right. Or Vista Enterprise is what it is. That's Windows 7. But it's it, we can't change it. Right. And it's dying because, you know, right. Windows was never meant to last that long. And a lot of those, I mean, yeah, especially in manufacturing and, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of those built-in you know built-in windows machines so like you can't upgrade them yeah but the machine still needs to run with it and so you know from the it world those are the those are headaches because that you you can't put new antivirus software on them all mm -hmm. of the you know the security risks that they had before are still there yeah and, you know you don't want to you don't exploitable you don't want to leave them on your networks so now you have to ice you know have to yeah. logically isolate sometimes even physically isolate these machines but you still need to be able to access them on the network to get your files from a you know from the engineering team mm -hmm. to you know the cnc machine and so forth and, and uh so yeah it, it it creates quite a quite a headache and quite a you know Network well, to all try these to security work around holes. that, right? Because our, our IT team up on the hill, they're like they're crack. I mean, they're on their game, and we had to update some stuff. And they came in with firewalls, mm -hmm. put them all up, and I thought, oh, what the hell are the firewalls are for? Well, the firewalls are facing towards our computers, right? Because if you can VNC or whatever you're using to get into them, that's a risk, right? And so I thought, I never thought about it. I thought, hey, we got to put a firewall up. I'm like, okay. It's not to protect you. It's to protect us from, from you. you. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> the hell are you doing with these things, man? Yeah. Get you some modern technology, and I and I, you know, and it makes sense. Yeah. Especially with patient health data. I mean, that's. Right. You know, you don't. You don't want to mess with. You that. don't mess with any of that stuff. Yeah. And, and by God, it's secure. I'm telling you what. And you you pop on a network that they don't know you, and you're you're knacked in seconds. Right. It's immediately. It's like you're not supposed to be here. Thunk. Uh -oh. <laughs> what the hell happened? <laughs> Hey, Mike here. I just want to do a quick shout out to all of our listeners. Now, listen, it's been a wonderful couple of months getting the show moving, and we have seen a ton of growth, right? You guys are doing your part. People are downloading. You're telling people that's super important to get this podcast on the map, okay? We've got good lineup of folks coming in the studio, and the biggest thing that I want you to know is that I want to hear from you. You you the person listening to this all right you want to be a part of this show you want to talk about tips and tricks you want to talk about things that you're learning the trade you want to talk about how this has changed your life you want to talk about stuff like that send me an email okay it's halfwattpod at gmail.com and i'm interested in hearing about people who are in the union and people who are not in the union and people who are technicians and people who do alarm work and people who do camera access work stuff like that it doesn't just have to be 
fire alarm monkeys. It could be anybody. All right. So let's talk about this so that people can realize that this is a career that will change their life. Yeah. So you've uh, so you worked at that circuit board. I didn't think it was called that. I thought that it had another name. Well, it used to be in the old days. It used to be called ECD. That's that's what I remember it yeah. as. Okay, then it became uh, Sunstone Circuits. Sunstone Circuits. Yeah. Because okay. I know a lot of ham people. They had circuits made there because mm-hmm. they'll still do that. Yeah, they're, they're all custom built. Boards that's so there. cool. So yeah, it's it's pretty neat. They they I mean they're with ECD. They were one of the first companies that that did e-commerce. Basically, they built custom circuit boards and you just basically mm-hmm. uploaded your design drawings to them and then they would build it and ship it out to you. That is so, so cool. Well, yeah. It really is. And I, and I know it's geeky for everybody listening, but, <laughs> but for, for ham radio guys, like I knew people who would design their circuits mm-hmm. and then have these guys make it and then put the kits together and then sell them out of their living room. Yeah. And, and it's, you know. it's interesting, especially in this area, you think about like all, everything's out in Beaverton and Hillsborough and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I mean, except so, this place, you know, it's yes. Yeah, the Sunstone's out there in, in Milano. I mean, literally, I mean, I love you guys, Sunstone, but there, there are times where I'm out there and you go, you walk out your front door and there's a goat standing on the, the <laughs> pinning table in front of you. I mean, there's, you know, there's a farm right across the street from you. I mean, that, that's how it was, but you know, sometimes you're on the phone and you're, you're like, okay, I got to close the door. Cause you hear like, I'm like people thinking you're working at a barn or something, you know, it's like, I got to close the door, but, uh, no, it's great. They're, they're really good out there. But then even right here in Canby, you have screaming circuits. And so, oh, I didn't know that. So they're an assembly shop. So Sunstone partners with screaming circuits. And so basically screaming circuits is you design your bomb of the actual parts, the components that you want on your circuit board. Sunstone just builds the bare circuit board. So you build it from, you know, you get it from there and then they would just ship it over here screaming and then they would put the parts on it and then ship it to you. Huh. So there's, there's multiple steps of, you know, getting that, getting that finished product. But they're right here in Canby. Yeah. They're, they're just right down across from the police department. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Huh. So I, I just got a tour of a, a Gearworks premiere. Okay. Gearworks, which yeah. I, I know the the guy who owns it, and uh, I said, "Well, you got to take me on a quick tour." This we had the. Did you have the? Were you at the parade last week when they had the parade through here? Um, like I the, was working. But... You were working. <laughs> well, well, you were protecting us. I was driving a, a trailer through that, but anyway, we we got all set up at that place, and and I said, "Well, when I got done, I said you got to give me a nickel tour because some of these machines are are like their oldest ones, like from 1913." Yeah, you know. And uh, I am fascinated with that kind of stuff. So I, I could watch how it's built for years. Like if my wife didn't <laughs> say you got to stop, I would just watch yeah. it forever. And uh, I loved it. I mean, it, just to see how those cutting tools did what they did. And the guy goes, hey, we, you know, you lifts up the back. He goes, we basically changed out these gears here, which will change the way the cutting heads work, which will make, you know, and I, I, I could see how it works, but right. I, I obviously couldn't do it. Amazing. And just like what you're talking about, some of the older CNC machines, you know, have a basically an embedded computer. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure if that stuff was networked that, you know, that would be, could be a security risk because how are you going to upgrade it? Yeah. And some of them were, they're really obscure. Like they had the, some machinery that there was basically a, it wasn't even windows. It was like a custom operating system built mm-hmm. into this machine. But the only people that supported it were like this company in Germany. 
So they, like if it, something happened to it, they would literally have to fly somebody out from Germany to come down and and you know monkey with it and reprogram it and tweak it and stuff. And they're like, okay, we think it's fixed out. And then they've got, so it's like you can't just like call up your local guy no. and come down. And like, yeah. no, it's you gotta. <laughs> yeah, so them, some of that machinery is very, very, you know, specific. Super and, custom, and, yep. and, and yeah, and the operating system is built, well, I mean, the stuff I worked in the Navy was all built, it was all written in Fortran. Right. If you could, if you knew what the hell that was. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I certainly didn't, but I knew I knew people who did, and they could hack it. Right. And they wouldn't hack it and do something wrong with it. They could hack it and get into it and see how the code was written. Right. And they could show it to you, and I was like, uh, 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 <laughs> uh no. I mean, it just, it wasn't, it's, it's still not my, it's still hard for me to, to visualize it, but, uh, it's obviously easier now. Yeah. I mean, but even to them, that was easier than punch cards. (laughs) Yeah. Much. Yeah. 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 Which, which, you know, I didn't realize how long ago that technology, I didn't realize that technology came out in the early 1900s. I had no idea that had been around that long. IBM. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But the punch cards themselves. Right. Because we were using that up until the until the eighties in the Navy, they mm-hmm. were still doing inventory with punch cards. Yeah, <laughs> I could I couldn't believe it, and it was matter of fact I was I was stuck at a command one time helping do that, and as soon as you could figure out how to read the punch card, they kicked you back on the ship, <laughs> because because you weren't getting accurate counts. Because right. you're like, oh yes, not seven. <laughs> 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 as soon as this, it was, they're called SKs, the the supply kirks. As soon as they realized you could read it, they're like, "You're out. We don't want you here. Yeah. We want you to actually count the widgets." No, oh, fine. <laughs> but yeah, the uh, so you went, so you basically worked for that company, and then what'd you do after that? How'd you where'd you um, go? So after that, I actually went to work for uh, another assembly shop mm-hmm. down in Salem. They were, uh, you know, I was interested in okay. I'd, Learned about you know how you know I mean I didn't do the actual development of the mm-hmm. circuit boards or the building of them but I supported the infrastructure that that supported the sure. manufacturing of them so I was inter- interested in it's like okay well I want to know more about the the component side like mm-hmm. what does it mean to have like you know to take the the programming to put the these chips in the right spot or to solder this you know. You know resistor in the specific spot. Make sure spot. that it goes to the right spot, gets right. the paste on it and all that jazz. Right, and, yeah. and that, you know, a lot of that was automated as well. So you mm-hmm. you put in an image of the, the circuit board, you know, the design of the circuit board, and then you put in the programs of what the components are, and then the components, you they align up, and then they literally just start going putting the, you know, the components on mm-hmm. the circuit boards as they run through the, you know, the, the assembly line. More that is so cool. So, and so that that was pretty fun. That was pretty neat to, to, to see that mm-hmm. that side of things. Um, but then, you know, then COVID hit. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So, uh, so then, uh, and then just so shortly after that, like, then I, that's when I got on with, uh, secure point, you know, working with mm-hmm. Mark. So, uh, that was really, that was really fun. So just so everybody knows secure points, uh, uh, a division of point monitor. Right. Point mm-hmm. monitor. Yep. And so, I mean, their, their concept was, is, you know, they, from point monitor side, is they're, you know, working with the alarms and, mm-hmm. you know, all that, they, well, they're usually always having to work through somebody else's IT or somebody else's, you know, yeah. department to yeah, be able so. to do their job, and so so they uh, acquired a, an IT service provider that so they're like, well, if we can manage that ourselves, then there's less hoops for us to go through because now you know 
we're we already have the control of you know yeah. access to to these things. So that was a really smart decision. Well, and the and the way that the fire panels communicate, you know, it used to be through phone lines. Right. So now they okay, we got to do away with phone lines. And then they had this big push in 2016. We're not going to have any phone lines on fire panels anymore. And then they realized that people in the rural areas still use telephones. That you couldn't get a radio signal there, and you couldn't, right? You know, so they're that kind of all crashed and burned. But either way, you know, one of the technologies was IP dialers. Mm -hmm. So you could just hang a fire panel on basically a, into your server room. Mm -hmm. And when it had, when it saw a fire alarm, it could go right across the web and dial out. Sounds great. Until you hit the, until the firewall. Right. Until <laughs> whoever manages your firewall shows up and goes, what the hell, what are these two ports doing open? Shut. Right. There's your, there's your <laughs> multi-million dollar building with no way to communicate out. And and that became a huge issue. Yeah, and I'm sorry that especially be, that mixture of of technology, but from two totally separate you know you know kind of areas of mm -hmm. of the business. Sometimes you you have to make sure that you're really communicating. You know, because there's even when you're know, working with the city like, coming in here, and sometimes you see. So prime example <clears throat> in one of our our server rooms, we have there's some Motorola equipment in there, and mm -hmm. I'm like. What in the world is this Motorola equipment doing? Like, I don't like. What does this have to do with our IT, with our server room? And then come find out. Oh, it's it's the radio for right. the, you know the emergency systems exactly. and stuff like that. I was going to say radios it, right there. Right, and so yeah. that so I was like, oh, okay. Well, now well, that, they, that and makes they, sense. And they run their MTD <laughs> through that, right? So they're so they're terminals for the for the cops and for the fire uh, department. not through is that. that what well, not, through? yeah, not through that. This is a this is the emergency the Clackamas County like the emergency backup radio. Oh, the actual system. radio system. Yeah, yeah, so that's what the antennas they're up on top of the mm -hmm. building and so. But this all trunked, <clears throat> so right. that's all. Yeah, so I mean, like, I have no idea. It's like, it's like no, okay, now I know why I don't know this because I don't ever deal with this stuff. So in the in <laughs> so. the time I kind of fell out of ham radio for a while and got back into it, and in that time the handheld radios, the mobile, what we mm -hmm. consider two meter and 440, uh, most of that stuff went all to digital mobile radio, DMR. And there wound up being, you know, like three real distinct divisions of it. They, they kind of overlay in some, but Motorola's turbo DMR wound up being sort of like the, you know, the kind of the gold standard in it. Right. And then there was one that the Japanese developed through uh, called Fusion that was really good and you know there's always stuff and I to, in order for me to get up to speed to understand DMR it was it was tough it was I, once I figured it out it was like okay well now it's kind of easy mm -hmm. you know and I get it because you're just digitizing your voice and sending it up in packets and then right. and it's being reassembled that part I get but uh, you know one day I was riding my horse with my handheld on, talking to a guy in Lakeside, California, who was sitting in his in his damn living room, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just and I'm in Sandy, going, that's bizarre on two meters or four forty, whatever it's on, you know, the higher frequencies. Mm -hmm. Just <clears throat> I just I just my jaw hit the floor because you're going into the web, and once you go into the web, you can pop out anywhere. Right. You know? It's like IP phones now, right? Yeah. You, you don't need to. You don't need your trunk and you know your yeah. all of that and your old pots lines and stuff like you know it's just all right through your firewall and, and explaining that to some of the younger people that you know when the, when the power went out we had phone service mm -hmm. because the batteries the phone company kept batteries in these remote buildings in the middle of the woods to 
give us power for our phones. Right. And um, I did a, when I worked for Simplex, I went down to the AT&T building and the, I was supposed to go down there and test. So the fire system. So I show up and this guy's worked there for most of my life, says, okay, this is, this, I'll take you around and I'll show you exactly what you, what you can and cannot do. Mm-hmm. So we're going through the building and I'm just this, you know, stupid sponge just sucking up all this old school technology and he shows me the microwave towers and he goes, yeah, we don't really use those much. We just kind of talk to each other on them because <laughs> there's no data going on them anymore. It's all done by fiber. We get to one floor and on one corner of one floor of this building, and this guy's worked there from when they had the old clackety, you know, relays. Right. When you were actually dialed and you moved a relay. The rotaries? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You moved a stepper okay. thing. Yeah. That's how it worked. You, when you dialed, you actually were changing the physical. Yeah. No, physical oh, relays. The, yeah. So if you dialed a nine, it went up nine places, and that made a different connection. Got it. So yeah. that you went through the switch gear that way. So that's what that actually did. He says, oh, yeah, this is the, all these, you know, we had hundreds of people here and all this crap was going on. We go to this one floor, and in one corner of one floor is this, what looks like a pretty modern server. It was really quite unique. And there was a guy in a desk, probably 25 feet away from it, with a light on it. It looked like, it looked like something from a freaking movie. <laughs> I went, this can't be real. And the guy's reading a paper, sitting at the desk. The phone rings, he picks up the phone, puts the paper down, walks in, does something, and walks back out again, picks up the phone, calls back. And I said, so I'm in there testing the light smoke detectors, and he goes, I said, what's that? And he goes, he goes, they reroute all the data from where that guy's gonna be in case he has a heart attack, hits a piece of fiber. He says, we're guaranteeing connections. He goes, so that's an AT&T this, he goes, everything that was in this building is in that corner times something. Right. He says, all of it. <laughs> and he goes, so, he goes, matter of fact, you can't even go into this area. And there was an area on the floor marked off. He goes, you cannot go past that unless we know exactly where you're going to go. And you're darn sure not going to take a pole that you're going to reach a smoke detector with. Because if you knock off one of those fibers, we're, we're completely hosed. Right. And he goes, we're guaranteeing. He goes, we're moving FAA data you know, radar data, all kind of stuff. And he just went through and told me and my jaw hit the floor. <laughs> and on that same floor, we walked by a, a small server rack, just a two rack. Yeah. And there said Europa. <laughs> and I went, that's not Europa. He goes, yeah, that's the ISP Europa. And then he, sh- he shot off the next four that I'd heard about in town. Right. All, all not even taking up. You could have fit them all in this room we're in times 10. Wow. And I said, I said, so that is handling, it goes, that is handling so much data you can't even imagine it. Like so much traffic, voice, right. and data that that is. And I just, and, and I says, what else is on the building? He goes, nothing. There's nothing here. I was, I, he was right. They reduced the entire building yeah. to, to one floor and part of that floor. <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was, it was insane. And, and, and the whole time I'm working, this guy's telling me, all of the changes that he's seen uh, in all the years he'd worked there. He took me down in the basement. There were batteries that were, I don't know. He says they're 80 volt batteries. They're, they look like tubs. They were six, eight foot wide, maybe six foot tall and 40 foot long. Wow. And they're all acid, lead acids. Right. 
And he goes, yeah, power comes in this end and we take it off there for the computers or take 80 volts off for the computers upstairs. And he goes, when this power quits, you never know it. He goes, and he goes, we used to have, you know, he just pointed out banks and banks and banks of these things. He goes, and that's what powered up your telephone at home right. was one of these, you know, remote. I mean, I, I, I left out of that place and I was just, in, I was in awe. <laughs> I was just in awe of what I'd seen. And I, and this was this would have been in ninety between before nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, I don't know what the hell it probably looks at like the size of a quarter now. <laughs> and, and there was still a mixture of old and new technologies still supporting each other there yeah. too. So yeah. <clears throat> that I was just absolutely astounded with. And then, but it, I, eventually, I wound up working for a company and going to work in Facebook okay. on their fire system in Facebook, and that's when I saw jaw dropping. Yeah, I mean just jaw-dropping equipment. I, I, you could not imagine the amount of throughput. And that's before they built all the new server farms. So, yeah. I just was, I, I just, I, I ran into a fiber guy and he goes, yeah, he goes, we have 62 single-mode fibers coming into this MPOE, main point of entry room, in this one alone. Right. Just from <laughs> my company. There's two other companies. He goes, and that's just coming here <laughs> in Prineville. Wow. I was like, Phew. I mean, imagine the amount of data. That, that's, like, that's like having a 20-foot pipe and sending a, a half an inch of water through it. <laughs> that's really what it, the guy's what the guy described to me. He goes, yeah, he goes, it's like we're not even using maybe 2 3% of the throughput. <laughs> well, it's, you know, future-proofing, right? Future-proofing, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't mean to get off on a tangent. No. So you, uh, so you work for uh, SecurePoint, and uh, and then what happened? Um, then uh, we also have the our business here in town. Um, the, well, the tell the audience store. what it is. <clears throat> Excuse me. So uh, yeah, so in town we have a local bookstore. It's okay. called the Book Nook, and, and we do books. And uh, we started out really small, just used books, and mm -hmm. we're like, you know, is this something that the area wants to support and they did and we grew and moved four times into the current location did you uh, were you in lake oswego for a while we were not um but interestingly we were in the graham building here paul okay the, the, the grams but they used to own they used to have grams books and stationery and they also had they okay. their main store was in lake oswego okay um but uh so we were in the grand building here and then we moved over to the old parsons building where the the old pharmacy used to be nice um so we did books and games and, and gifts and stuff like that. Uh, so I, w I was going to, I was, my plan was, okay, well, I'm going to re retire and I'm just going to you know, work at the bookstore with my yeah. wife. And then, you know, and being a local business, you know, we're very connected with lots of other businesses and working with the city and so forth. And, and somebody found out that it's like, oh, well, you're retiring. It's like, yeah. It's like, well, you know, a lot of retired people work for the cities. And I'm like, well, okay, and then so they said well, we we have a need for an IT department coming up, and you know, huh. and so I was like, I don't know. So I was like, okay, talked to my wife. I was like, yeah, you know, it's a government job. And yeah, I'm used to driving Salem, Hillsboro, Lake Oswego, Portland for my jobs. Like, man, I mean, my wife's been working at the bookstore for a while, so she already knows what it's like to be able to just go a couple blocks and, and be at work. But I'm yeah, that is know. nice. So I'm like, wow, that'd be nice to be actually work in town so so i applied and i i got the job and so I'm very appreciative of that and so now i 
I get the, it takes longer for my car to defrost than it does for me to get to work. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <clears throat> so then I, so then I started working with the, with the city. Nice. Yeah. So what's that like as far as, uh, I mean, it's just not a huge city. So is it a, is it a pretty good sized network? Or is it a small network? Uh, it's is pretty it? good sized network. We have multiple, we have probably four or five like physical locations mm -hmm. and they're, and, um, we're all connected via VPN. Uh, just, uh, their connections using the local, uh, internet through direct link. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we have, uh, you know, one gig connections between them. Um, and, uh, it is an interesting spot where they're, it's grown in a, a lot in probably in say the last, 10 years. I mean, mm -hmm. so you think they just built a new city hall, you know, in 2016. And before that, you know, I don't know if you know, seen the old city hall. No, a, the new one I've seen. Yeah. I, I mean, the old one's just up the street here. You know, it's probably maybe 2000 square feet. I mean, it's like the old original, wow. like 1920s building, you know, <laughs> and, yeah. that, and that was city hall at the time. And the police mm -hmm. station was so small before they moved in 2012 to any location, the building right next door. And then, you know, like the planning department was in its own little building around the corner. So mm -hmm. it was, I mean, it was pretty small. And then, you know, within those last eight years or so, they got the new, you know, city hall and the, the new library. And, and so they, they really kind of in a short period of time, you know, expanded. I mean, can't be grown quite a bit, in, you know, in that time frame too. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was, uh, they've, you know, they've gone from a very small kind of smallish network and, you know, infrastructure to a, you know, a much larger one in that short amount of time. So there, hmm. there's a bit more to, to support than. So than is it, realize. is it, so you have to stay on the cutting edge of all the security patches and, and I mean, you're always, I, I, I mean, right. you're always looking for people trying to hack into your systems and yeah, we do have, nefarious we things. We have monitoring systems that, you know, that keep track of, you know, what's going on. We're constantly updating, you know, their systems and your reports of what's being updated and what, you know, mm -hmm. what, what's having problems because, you know, because all Microsoft updates always just work right away the first time, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. and they install themselves perfectly. <laughs> exactly. You know, a, no, sometimes we call, no them the, we call them upbreaks. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So tell me about the book nook. What what kind of books do you carry? Everything or? Oh uh, yeah, we carry we carry new books, used books. Uh, uh, we have uh, you know fiction, nonfiction. Mm -hmm. um, we mostly think we have we have more used books or. Uh, right now um but we we started out used and it's a little like 300 square foot or like just a test just mm -hmm. to see what it looks like yeah. um then we moved into a little bigger spot and we were able to expand our used book section and we started adding some gifts of local gifts and local crafts i like that i like that um, i like the fact that the because this there does seem to be a very big local yeah scene here in canby that i i didn't realize i only live in oregon city but okay i didn't know yeah like i kind of fell in <laughs> Um, so then as we started to get, then, uh, as we started to get a little bit bigger and, you know, people were, you know, asking us, you know, can you, oh, what about new books? Can you order this book for me? Can you order this book? And we're like, okay, well, so now we needed to start looking into, okay, how do you start working with the, the publishers and the reps and the, yeah. you know, the, where, you know, the distributors and so forth. Because before, I mean, we have a trade-in program, like people would bring in their books and they trade them in for credit and you use that credit towards buying, you know, getting money off of more used books. Oh, that's cool. Thing. So, uh, so then we, you know, we learned how to, 
to work the you know understand the system of being able to work with publishers and and distributors and so then it's okay so we started bringing in new books and you know you have to keep you have to keep up on like okay what are the popular ones mm-hmm. what are the ones that are that are people are buying is what people read in Canby is different than what people read in Seattle you know so just because it's on the top you know, New York bestseller doesn't mean you're just going to buy it, bring it into store. People here might not read it. So you have to do a lot of research to right. kind of know what is going to work in this community. Right. It's very curated. So you, huh. have, you have to understand your community and what people are buying. I never too. thought about that. So, uh, so yeah, it's, so then, so then when we finally moved into the, our current spot, which we feel very fortunate to be in, it's in a very good, very good spot. Mm-hmm. Um, We've we expanded our our new books, you know, even more, and we expanded our games. Um, but yeah, you learn you learn about a lot about, especially you know, with, with the used books, because what we carry is what the community brings in, sure. and, and so uh, so you get a feel for like what people are interested in reading. Um, like for you know, for us, it's interesting, um, like mysteries and mm-hmm. fantasy are are bigger sellers um but mysteries in used interestingly not so much mysteries in new so okay uh, yeah so the huh i didn't, never would have thought of that yeah so the you know the, our mystery readers really like to read used books but mm-hmm. you know they don't buy new so much and you know you maybe you can get them somewhere a little bit cheaper you know we're a small business we can't we, you know you you can't we can't obviously can't compete with amazon right, you know with right, books yeah. i mean they're just selling yeah. them at a loss just to get you to come in and buy all their other you know mm-hmm. products from other vendors and plus you got all the apps and right. audiobooks and stuff so. and then uh and then you know you have like costco like costco buys mm-hmm. books on the thousands and they you, they put them out on the shelf and they're like oh 30 percent off right off the top you oh. know <laughs> so you know we can't compete with those but and so they like those they tend to bring in more of like the the grishams and the baldacci's and you know mm-hmm. the, those so so those don't typically we we can't sell them at 30 percent you know off the cover price that's, sure you know that's you want to have a business yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um so those tend to not so also our assumption is well that people they tend those type of readers or maybe older readers that read some of those uh the, the mysteries of like grishams and stuff like mm-hmm. that they, they probably go to costco a lot and so that's you know where they they look so you have to try to understand you know your customer base and what they're reading and what sells in new what doesn't but you know what sells in used and so forth mm-hmm. so there's it's quite a bit of curating in in, in that that I, I didn't think about that that's so so, so your wife kind of runs that you obviously work with her on that mm-hmm. plus you work for the city right and you're not really ready to retire so you're just going to keep yeah, so I, I mean, obviously, I help with the website and the, you know the technology mm-hmm. stuff and 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 whatnot, and helping with our programs. And you know, at first we we used to do the spreadsheet and work off of you know three by five cards and keeping track of people's accounts. And uh, we grew up a little bit more, and was, we end up we have an actual like inventory point of sale system that that mm-hmm. we utilize. And it's inter- I never really thought about it for for bookstore specific retail. Um, there really isn't. There's a few players out there and they're not like real it's not like there's thousands and thousands of bookstores out there either so you have a right. limited market but there's they're uh they're not some of these programs have been around for a long time some of them still look mm-hmm. like dos <laughs> some, yeah because i had a dog daycare and, and we bought into a piece of software that was specifically for that right and it was 
it was unique to that exactly and it was kind of nice to have something that catered to what you wanted right it was pretty cool yeah so but then it has its little quirks here and there and you know sometimes she you know we get frustrated with it mm-hmm. and you know you know help troubleshoot a little bit and stuff like that so I, I never get out of the computer world whether i'm at home or you know at the bookstore yeah. it's like you know i'm they i get the call hey what's going on <laughs> what's wrong with but, this <laughs> but you're but you've you know you've been able to to take so you know all of your career all mm-hmm. of your your path your te- technological you know dalliances in and out of all these different arenas and you know now you're at this point in your life yeah where you've got you've kind of got this this nice retail thing going you know you've got a uh the thing with the city, which is awesome, right? Right, and then and it, it keeps you on the cutting edge because you have to know all right. the stuff that's happening. Because you have to know Windows, you have to know right all the security aspects yeah. of what's happening it, and and networking. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I learned about uh, you know working with Secure Points is uh, uh, voice over IP systems, mm-hmm. and uh, they do a really good job of. Uh, there's a program that's called 3CX. Okay. And uh, it's a an entire telephone system. You used to have the old PBXs that mm-hmm. you have to yeah. you know, deal with. This is basically a PBX on a computer. And uh, oh, no so they, they provide that service for local businesses. It's a you know a pretty good cost of you know low cost of being able to have your own phone system that you know that so the, the person whole thing can sits virtual virtual on a it's machine. all sits virtual on the machine oh the, the only the only no cav- idea. the only caveat with that is like for me i could set it up i mean we can install it right here on this computer and you mm-hmm. you can have a voip system running but the challenge is is getting it connected to the actual public system like getting it connected getting an actual phone number mm-hmm. right and and all those things. So you have to, there are only certain companies that have the ability to, you know, provision those phone numbers and because there's a mm-hmm. lot of you know, rules and laws sure. and, you know, you know, safety and 911 and taxes and right. you know, all that right. stuff for public, right. you know, for, yeah. so oh, I forgot about the man. Yeah. So the man's <laughs> out there too. So you have to be able oh, to, yeah, you yeah. have to deal with that side to get that connected to actually be able to communicate with the outside world. But the phone system itself is, you know, you can set it up and run it yourself. Um, and then there's free versions that are very limited, but then, you, you know, you can you can purchase the licensing for so, a larger version. So you could that. actually get something like that or run it in just inside your own house if you really mm-hmm. wanted to. Yeah, That's so my crazy. our bookstore is running off of that PBX system, and I, I purchase a, a phone number through SecurePoint, who manages that part of it for me. But, like, the phone system itself, I just actually I installed it on a, like on a Google Cloud VM and yeah it it literally cost me like four dollars a month to run because I don't we don't get that many phone calls and it doesn't use that much data it's on a Raspberry Pi you you can you literally one of the options is to install it on a Raspberry Pi and I could probably just run it you know just from the closet in my my uh, at the bookstore so yeah so that That is crazy so so a lot of and it's open the degree open source but also Mm -hmm. you have the paid versions but yeah the other thing, one thing that hasn't changed a lot from like the 80s and 90s or stuff like that is like the open source community. I mean, it's just amazing the things yeah. that that people put out in the community with their passion that are pretty robust systems that you very can, robust. Yeah, yeah. And that, so that we I kind of run into that in the ham radio world mm-hmm. where some of that stuff is open source. You know, and people will keep writing better and better and better programs and throw right. it out there. Yeah. And make improvements, and it just gets better. And, and you can now do things that governments could only do right. twenty years ago. And you're like, yeah, I got that. Yep. That. That was nothing. Yeah. Know. So that that's uh so that's pretty interesting. Yeah. There's uh, 
So yeah, we run the I run the phone system. That's cool. Just for the bookstore, just you know, and you can log in. And it's just it's a web interface, and you just set up the phone. You know, the extensions and the voicemail and all it handles all that stuff. That's so, crazy. Yeah, I just I just it just never see just not, not being pigeonholed and doing what I do. I don't ever really think about how all this other stuff actually works. I just sort of yeah, <laughs> sort of I teach about it, but I'm like yeah, well, you know, it's all it's magical. Yeah, I mean, but I'm in the same boat too. I mean, I I get really focused on that type of things, but there's things that that you do that other people do that you know that there's a there's a pretty big world there that I don't ever think about and don't dabble mm-hmm. in, and so that you know that's where like especially one of the things that I've learned growing up in my career is that you know you can say networking it's networking, but the people that you have in your life that you reach out to in different areas mm-hmm. that kind of they're it's lateral of what you're doing you know that you have some crossover but you know you create those relationships that are it's it's very important to growing your you know your career and in your success Mm -hmm. and being able to rely on those people and them that rely on you uh, in you know different areas so um so like the networking and that's a good way to look at it so forth you know i don't i don't run you know cat five every day at mm-hmm. one point, I used to remember like what the pin on the orange, white, blue, you know, gray. I don't remember that anymore. I haven't, I haven't, pit, you know, put a <laughs> and then on a Cat Five cable in probably ten years. I just haven't had to do it. Mm-hmm. But you know, but it, in, in certain situations where you need that, you know, you have the people around you that you can say, "Hey, Bob, you know, yeah, can you come, come out, yeah, come yeah. out with this and so forth?" So you know, it's really important to be able to. You don't want to burn bridges, you know. No, and so. I, I have burned a few in my life, so it's like, yeah, you're right. I have to. <laughs> it, it's it's hard because when you know, every once in a while, you'll you're like, oh man, that I destroyed that. I guess yeah. I'll see the smoke from it. Well, I guess I'll have to. You're right. I mean, and I think I guess if I could if I could teach the younger generation how to how to go forward in life, it's not by headbutting people. That doesn't. Right. So it turns out that's ill advised <laughs> with, with things to go your way. Well, you've got a you've got a pretty interesting life. What what kind of books do you like? I mean, what kind of books are you into? Um, obviously, you like books. I'm I'm the uh, the kind of the older school hard sci fi. Oh, really? Um, like Isaac Asimov. Asimov, Asimov uh, yeah, Arthur Clark. C. Clarke, uh, Niven, Greg Bear. You know, yeah. yeah. One of my favorite movies of all time is still 2001: Space Odyssey. Yeah. I mean, just. You know, it puts a lot of people to sleep, but to me, it was just fascinating. Nah, the, book, the vision the book was good. The, yeah. It really did. The book, it hit the book and yeah. you're like, okay, there's, there's the, yeah, there's all the different, I don't want to give it away for people who don't see it. Yeah. But. There's, it's funny. I, in getting into the book world, I never knew that, that this book existed, but there, <clears throat> Clark wrote a book in the, in the early eighties or so. Mm-hmm. And it was called, I think it's called 2019. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, it was basically, it was just a, a big expose of him it, on yeah. what he thought yep. all the different technologies and were going to be. And then 2061 came after that. Yeah. So, but this was, this, this was a, I mean, it was just more of a, it was a nonfiction, just kind of like, like, uh, telecommunications. What's the technology going to look like? You know, oh, maybe, 30 I, years maybe from I didn't read that. Yeah. So that it was, it wasn't one of, it wasn't like the 2010, you know, 2003. You know. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. It was that whole series. Cause no. it was like three book series. Yeah. No, this was a nonfiction, but it was like his, like from his mind, like what he thought, like the different industries and like the different technology, so what how, it would look how like. How accurate was he? 
He was fairly he was fairly close. I mean, the man was he was like he's considered the you know the father of satellites. Yeah. You know this the the vision that he had that in the thought process and how he looked forward to looking at the big picture of things was just amazing. His even his his uh, political stance. There was one of the one of the books I read of his was about a planet, and the only way you could become the leader of the planet was if you wanted to be a leader, you couldn't be the leader. There's no because you be you already are too narcissistic to become a leader. Right. So it had to be somebody. It was a lottery system, and like you were you are the you're the king today. That's it. You're going to run this for four years, and it's like oh no. And that's and but it was brilliant when yeah. you read the book. The the other one I I thought was phenomenal was a fall of moon dust. Mm. Well, I still can. I mean, if, for those of you who don't know, this was about a a ship that was crossing the moon it's a it's a craft right. that goes across the the moon dust and as long as you're moving it works great but if you don't move it doesn't work so great and it's sunk into the moon dust right and then he goes through and describes all of the things that happen that that go sideways to this crew on this and i got i put that book down and went how the hell do you think of all that? I mean, it was brilliantly done. Yeah. All of I think I've read I think I've read all of his stuff that I could get my yeah, hands Joseph on. of the Time is a really good one too. Oh God. So Clark is a good friend of mine. I Asimov I kinda got into the River World series and then I, I just sort of fell off of it somehow. I, I read know. his foundation series. Um I got into that. I mean it's definitely a lot more uh political kinda uh not I can say sciencey, but uh, what do they call it? Like a social, social science. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, kind of talking yeah. about like you know how people react. You know, and and stuff like that. And so, and they even just did the Apple TV just did the started the TV show on it too. No, no kidding. Um, but yeah, that was uh, that was good. But so I, I like those. And then my other favorite one is uh, alternative history. Oh, okay. The what ifs, you know. No, you I know, never thought about that. What you know. And uh, you ever see? Do you ever watch *Man in the High Castle*? No, not the book. The book is no, completely I, different than the show. I, I saw one episode of it. Yeah, it's not a bad show. I just, I, I there's competition for the, yeah, for the tube at home, and I lose. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it's just like what the one down what, what happens if this, you know, mm -hmm. if this happened instead of that type of thing? And yeah. and uh, one of my favorite ones is not just like alternative history, but like. Uh, there's a book called 1632 by Eric Flint okay. and it's you, 10 square mile uh, radius of West Virginia. It's written in 2000. Um, like, you know, time warp hits and this town plops down in the middle of Europe in 1632. Okay. As it is, everything there, all the infrastructure, all the people, they just see a big flash of light. They're like, what the heck was that? Oof. And then, you know, next thing you know, the road just ends, huh. you know, going out of town and then, so that now you have basically this piece of America with technology that can only be supported kind of because, you know, we can machine things, but we can't replace everything that sure. that they have. Yeah. And now they have to live, you know, in 1632 with, okay, here's here's freedom. Here's the you know, our idea of the Constitution. And then here's the kings and the barons. Here's and, the, what it really is. Yeah. You know, and so how does, that, how does that mix together and how do yeah. these people work, you know? fight each other and also work together and so that was a really fun and it's, huh. it's a I wrote pretty, that down. I'll it's a pretty big series out. so uh, yeah so huh. that was pretty fun. I like that.
Well, I uh, I super appreciate your time today. This was this has been fascinating. So I, I don't know how if we got technically as deep into it as some of the listeners like, but um, part of what I like to do is just get to know people yeah. and have a nice conversation that just. Well, thank you. Yeah, this was a great conversation. Good. I really enjoyed. You'd, you'd come getting back to meet you. And, yeah, absolutely. Nice. It was fun. I really enjoyed it. And thank you. Thank you for having me. You bet. Thanks for listening to the Half Watt Podcast. We always want to hear from you, and we encourage you to email us at halfwattpod at gmail.com with questions or even your own stories. Funny, crazy, or praiseworthy, we want to hear it all. You can follow us on Instagram at halfwattpod to stay up to date on our feed. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and share us with a friend the best way to help us grow. The Half Watt Podcast is a production of Now Hear This Studios.